like you to open your Bibles, please, at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 to 19. Those of you who are um, of a reasonable age will remember the television program Opportunity Knocks. Who remembers Opportunity Knocks? Right. Well, you see, the thing is that Opportunity Knocks, but suffering doesn't knock. Suffering just knocks the door down and marches straight into your home, straight into your life, straight into your heart. It gives you no warning, telephone rings, and your life is shattered within minutes. A visit to the doctor and your life is shattered within minutes. Your husband doesn't come home from work. Your children don't wake up in the morning. And on and on we could go. Suffering batters the door down and marches straight into our lives. And there is nothing we can do about it. We don't have to open the door when it knocks. It just marches straight in and our lives are never the same again. The Bible has a very uh, simple theology of suffering. If you want to know what the Bible teaches about suffering, it can be summarized in two things. First of all, if you're born, you will suffer. And secondly, if you're born again, you will suffer. Right? It's as simple as that. Look at it. First of all, if you're born, people suffer if they are born. In Job chapter 5, verse 7, Eliphaz says to Job, Yet man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. You've lit your fire in the fireplace, and which way do the flames go? Always they go upwards, never downwards. We have troubles, you know. This is ever since Genesis chapters 1 to 3, and sin came into this world, we are living in the flood of suffering flowing from the fall. This is why children are born with mental problems. This is why youngsters get incurable diseases. This is why there are wars and famines. Everyone faces trouble. You, you don't have to be bad to get trouble. You just have to breathe to get trouble. People are born to suffer. And then secondly, if we're born again, we will know suffering as well. You see, being born again doesn't protect you from suffering. Look at what Paul tells the Philippians. He says, for it has been granted to you. It's a gift to you. On behalf of Christ, it's a gift on behalf of Christ. Not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Do you realize that? As a believer, you have been given the gift to suffer for Christ. It's a gift that God gives to Christians. We will suffer spiritually because, as Paul tells Galatians, the flesh and the spirit are in conflict. We will suffer physically and socially because, as we read here in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 13, Peter says, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Now, the whole problem of Suffering is very confusing, really, because in the Bible we seem to read two opposite things about suffering, and it can really confuse us. You see, we read chapters like um, Deuteronomy 28 that talks about blessings and curses. Blessings if you obey, 
curses if you disobey. And this theology um, is very clear in the book of Proverbs. You know, if you um, uh, live a good life, you'll prosper. If you live a bad life, then trouble will come your way. And it's, there's this um, clear teaching in the Old Testament that the righteous prosper, the unrighteous suffer. So we have that very clear teaching. But then we also seem to have the opposite teaching. And the opposite teaching is that the righteous will suffer. So Job is a blameless man, a righteous man, an upright man, a godly man, and yet he's the one who suffers. And we find, you know, drug barons, they, they seem to be prospering. The righteous suffer. We look at the story of Joseph. You know, Joseph's brothers were a bad lot. Joseph seems to be a good guy. And Joseph is the one who gets shoved into prison. And then Joseph is the good one in the house of Potiphar. And he's the one who gets uh, unjustly accused and sent down to jail. So which is it? Is it that the righteous prosper and the Godly, ungodly suffer, or is it that the righteous suffer? Which is it? We've got both, haven't we, been taught? And we really don't know how to get our head around this until we suddenly realize that the story of the Old Testament isn't about me. The story of the Old Testament isn't about you. The story of the Old Testament is about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only one who is truly righteous. For apart from Jesus, there's none righteous, no, not one. He's the righteous one. He's the one who lived obediently. He's the one who deserves the blessing. He's the one who doesn't deserve the curse. He's the only one, really, who is the righteous one, who lived right and deserves the blessing. But he also became the righteous sufferer. Although he didn't deserve the curse, he is the one person who took the curse upon himself. So you see that? And now, in Christ, we, you and me, when we turn to Jesus Christ as our Savior, we find that he, the righteous sufferer, has taken the curse that we deserve, and he, the obedient and righteous one, gives us the blessing that he has won. Does that make sense to you? So you can see these two seemingly contradictory things in the Old Testament pointing forward to Jesus Christ, that on the cross, the righteous suffered for the unrighteous to bring us to God. And now for us in Christ Jesus, there is not the curse, but the curse is taken away. And the blessing comes upon us. So you know what the last word of the Old Testament is? You can see it there in your Bibles. Last word of Malachi. Curse. And Jesus takes the curse away. And you know what the first word of the um, Sermon on the Mount is? Blessed. Jesus became the righteous sufferer. He took the curse that he didn't deserve upon himself. And he gives us the blessing that we don't deserve. It, well, it's amazing, really, just how the whole you know, contra conflicting teaching in the Old Testament 
joins together perfectly in Jesus Christ and flows into us. So that now, for us, now, we share in the sufferings of Christ. We participate in the sufferings of Christ now. And we will share in his glory in the future. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 17. And Peter says here in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 13. Now, if we're suffering now and glory is to come in the future, does it mean <laughs> we can't pray that God will take our suffering away? No, of course. We can and we must pray. And we must not only pray for ourselves, but we must pray for each other. So if we see people who are sick, we should pray for them. We are to be praying for them. But if God does take away the suffering, or if God doesn't take away the suffering, as with the Apostle Paul and his thorn in the flesh, whichever God does, whether he takes away our suffering or doesn't take away our suffering, we know that God is at work in all things. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's about. And therefore, James says these terribly challenging words. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Because we know what God is doing, we can even consider it pure joy. Well, here, Peter, um, in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12, he gets to the uh, conclusion of his letter. He had his, the main body of his letter started in chapter 2, verse 11, when he used the words, dear friends. And he's been telling us about being in the right position, submissive to all these different authorities. And now he comes to his conclusion in chapter 4 and verse 12 with the phrase, dear friends, again. It's actually... The word agapetos, I suppose, literalistically, you would translate it beloved. We would translate it loved ones. You talk about your loved ones, don't you? And the Apostle Peter's talking to his brothers and sisters in the church, and he says, look, loved ones. And he tells us how to live. Uh, and he has three points, which is fortunate, because I have three more Sunday mornings. And the first point is chapter... 4 verse 12 to 19, which is how to live in this fallen world. Then the second point is chapter 5 verses 1 to 7, which is how to live in the church of Jesus Christ. And the final point, chapter 5 verses 8 to 11, is how to live in the spiritual battlefield where the devil, like a roaring lion, moves around. So we look this morning at how we should live in this fallen world hostile world and we weep with those who weep you know we 